0: Abe here, and I wanted to let you know that if you're able, you can upgrade your Small Beans skill over at patreon.com slash small beans. Here's why you should do that. If you pledge five measly beans a month, you get access to about half our podcasts that you don't get if you're just listening to the free feed. Shows include Star Trek The Next Futurama, Spielboys, like Razor Blade Pie, and bonus episodes of I'll Show You Mine If You Show Me Yours. Not to mention bonus content, including info and updates on the movie we're making. pop Hey, where's all the reasons to not subscribe to Patreon? I can't find them. Anyway, back to the show.
1: Your daughter's coming back. 1995. And then like a whole thing, like a lot of guitar for a long time. Imagine a big pile of notes of guitar.
0: Now you listen to me, Mr. Grand High Poobah <laughs> up a
1: butt crack. I'm just about half past give a shoot with your fun and games. Maybe the best line in the movie. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it might, there might not be a maybe about that. Yeah. There might. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm, I I yeah. I liked it then. Yeah. I liked it. you did. I didn't pre-write a song this time, so that was semi-improved and not as good as some of them. Still
0: better than I could do, man. But that's all
1: right. Uh, We are the Kings of King, your friendly neighborhood cockers. Uh, I'm Michael Swain. That's Abe Epperson. Hi. And uh, we talk about all things adapted from the works of one Stephen King and uh, try to connect dots to the tropes that he, and I mention this because I think it's going to come into play today, case in point, maybe the pinnacle. Of Stephen King's love of quaint, old-fashioned Nor'easter phrases that you've, you're not aware of. Ooh, boy. Like, half-past give a shit. Oh, that's fun. I didn't know people said that. Mr. <laughs>
0: Grand High poo Mr. Great of, of, of... Of...
1: Upper butt crack.
0: <laughs> that is... I am impressed, and absolutely, I find it an atrocity. It's hard to tell, even
1: if it's an insult or a compliment.
0: I I find it just eye-opening. It's it's everything. I am inspired. I am angry.
1: Here Mm -hmm. we go. Here we go, and we usually kick things off with a quick synopsis, so if you're not familiar with Dolores Claiborne, as neither of us were, first time. That's right. Long-time listener, right. first-time reviewer. Um, so let's dive in and, like, say what Dolores Claiborne is about by looking under the dome.
0: Our best guess puts the dome at 20,000
1: feet, sir. Did he just call it a dome? You think we might be stuck in here a while? All right, we're under there. We're under there, under that dome. It's, it's, ni- imagine, if you will, it's 1995, and we're talking about Dolores Claiborne. Abe, hey, you want to start the synopsis off? The
0: film starts with Dolores... Ooh. Who's like a domestic servant uh, slash nurse Mm -hmm. uh, having a struggle with her elderly, uh, partially paralyzed employer, Vera Donovan. Vera falls down the stairs and as she's about, as Dolores is about to kill her with a rolling pin, a mailman walks in (laughs) and witnesses the event and goes, oh, but if you're and I'm, oh boy. And who's flying the house? Yeah. And um he he walks up to Vera, uh, you know, D- Dolores mm. steps back and is in, you know, shambles like she just got found ki- apparently killing right. Vera. And Vera's and, last uh, words Vera's are
1: still- uh, Dolores, please. And then she dies. It's like and she dies. pretty incredible. Not looking good. Not looking, not looking good, looking for good D. so
0: far for Dolores in the first 2 minutes. And we cut to Selena, who is Dolores' da- daughter. Oh, by the way, Dolores is, pay- like if you haven't seen this, played by uh, Kathy Bates. Selena is uh, played by uh, Jennifer Jason Lee. Ooh, top shelf. Uh, and uh, Selena is a journalist in New York City. And she has to go to Maine uh, to essentially deal with this because she finds out her mom is now... You Know basically uh, a murderer, possibly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and when she arrives, she insists I didn't kill Vera, and they're pretty estranged. So, like, it, Dolores doesn't even recognize Selena at first. It's been 15 years, and uh, she we get the feeling that Selena doesn't really believe her mother when she says she didn't commit the murder. Um, more on that later. We meet Christopher, Christopher Plummer, who's a detective, we meet John C. Riley, a constable. This is a stacked cast,
1: my boy. My God.
0: Um, what else we got? Dolores basically is an outcast of the town. The town sees her as a murderer already after the death of Joe, uh, who is her husband, played by Strathairn. Stacked cast. Yeah. Husband. He got drunk and
1: fell down a well, but people, the the scuttlebutt is she killed him.
0: That's the scuttle,
1: And now the new she, scuttlebutt as well, there she goes and, again.
0: <laughs> and this, uh, this, and in very King fashion, people- vandalize her house they taunt her in the street they do drive-by screamings so uh, many king
1: bullies yelling insults that you've never heard from like, the 50s hey, you're a
0: murderer
1: old uh, lady <laughs> even the um well we'll talk about it but the graffiti honor house i feel like stephen king wrote because like he loves the he loves some very basic phrases like each shit is a standard mm-hmm. stephen king yeah. like work a day insult and then of course something like Grand Poop off upper butt crack is when he's feeling (laughs) spicy. He's he's feeling (laughs) himself, you know?
0: He just took a shower. He's feeling clean. Um, Yeah.
1: So so Plummer, or if I may, uh, just for a little bit, I'll take that because I'm on my spray paint note. Plummer is constantly hassling the most of all. Uh, His deputy, played by John C. Riley, did we mention stacked cast, Um, is really coming at her, has a hard-on to close the case, and reveals that, like... He has 80 some cases and this is the one case he never closed. So I always think it's fun for him. This is a totally different movie. It's like a action Mm -hmm. thriller. Cops got to do his last case before he retires movie. But we're having a mother daughter time over there. And Mm -hmm. uh, we see that they have concerns for each other and things is sort of interest them. Shall we say, given the time apart, Um, Kathy Bates is interested to find out that Jennifer Jason Lee is a drunk. And chain smoker and pill popper and mixes those things and takes uh, and drinks the kind of whiskey that her dad drank, who was a drunk, abusive guy. So it's all highly symbolic. And she notices that uh, Kathy Bates lived full time in Vera's house. And so their their childhood home is like no gas, no power, vandalized holes in the windows like she's living like a terrible life. And worked herself to death for this horrible Vera woman, who's a notorious cunt, for like eighty bucks a week or something. They finally reveal um, it's forty
0: bucks a week. It's yeah, like forty bucks a 20 week. Twenty cents yeah. an hour. Or Even something, and this is
1: you know nineteen seventy nine or whatever. Even with inflation, that ain't much. Um, and. This finally all comes to a head with the daughter trying to make excuses about how she has other big newspaper stories she's got to do. So I don't know. Maybe I got to leave. I don't know how long I'll stay. I'm here to help you get a lawyer. I do care. You are my mom, but like, stay the fuck away from me also. And the thing that finally comes to light and brings it to a head is she goes, oh, yeah. Oh, you didn't kill her. Just like you didn't kill dad. Right. And leaves the room. And you, the audience, are like, oh, really? Oh, so the daughter also thinks that she killed the dad. And then we start getting, they were seated earlier, but around this time we start getting flashbacks because they're in their childhood home, right? And for both of them, this starts to happen. Uh, And I think we'll talk about it from a craft perspective, but right now, just from a story perspective, they see things at home that remind them of things, right? So as we're getting the present day narrative, we're getting the past narrative. You're used to it. It's like an episode of Lost. And the past narrative is the dad and i think they do an interesting thing where you're constantly wondering is this when she kills him is this when she kills him you're right because yeah. you know and you get a little bit of how that all went down <clears throat> you got i'm gonna Chekov's take a sip of my baits. coffee so abe you
0: want to dive oh, yeah, in no. sure um <clears throat> dolores pleads with selena that she did like i did all of this work to make sure you got off the island and you need to understand that all I care about is what you think of me as opposed to I don't give a shit what other people. Or
1: think. if I go to jail, I don't care. Right. Yeah.
0: And Christopher Plummer arrives in the present day to stop by to take a DNA sample and he fires some not so cryptic signals that he thinks uh, she did the murder and he thinks that she also killed Joe 18 years ago. And uh, there's a wonderful line that I wrote down that Dolores says I'm not because she's like. Selena's like you shouldn't be making enemies, and Dolores just true to form. I'm not making an enemy; I'm keeping one, <laughs> which I just thought that's like a perfect. And Dolores doesn't give starts a fuck. to
1: reveal the split because there's a bit of a Rashomon because Selena's mm. like I thought Dad seemed pretty cool, like he drank and but he was friendly. I don't ever remember him hitting you or what you're talking about. And you're like, right. Oh, who's right. Right. It's beyond the who done it. It's also whose version of history is right. Because Dolores treats it like he beat the shit out of me constantly. And I had to shield you from all that. And then when she sees Christopher Plummer, she's like, you don't even remember him. He fucking traumatized you by interrogating you when dad died, when you were a kid. And she's like, yeah, I, she's I don't remember like any of this shit, mom. All I remember, I remember is that you, you said this, yeah, and yeah, you were
0: like straight up a B, uh, and, and I love my a, dad and, hard and I love bitch
1: all the time, yeah. I,
0: I, I love David there. and I love uh, <laughs> he was fun. <laughs> uh, I love Christopher Plummer. They're they're awesome. Um, so clearly, there's some trauma, some hidden kind of uh, memory going on. Somebody's wrong somebody's somebody know, stop buried David it somebody <laughs> stop him. uh and so we see that strained relationship uh she christopher Plum, uh, Plummer plumber comes to uh jennifer jason lee doesn't mince words and he's like she's gonna kill again and that blood's gonna be on your hands uh we get another flashback uh basically uh after the death of joe where selena has a nervous breakdown and she smashes a Christmas ornament and cuts her neck with it. And this is like kind of mixed in the present day with her current timeline woes of not getting the big scoop you mentioned and having to come home, which she doesn't want to do. And she tries to storm out of the house, and I wanted to point this out later just for execution, but her car gets stuck and she's forced to stay the night.
1: Anne loses her newspaper job over a fight. She like, Says fuck you to the guy I quit on an impulse. Yeah, and she tries to drive away drunk and is so drunk that she fucks up. She's in a ditch. So now she's got to stick it out.
0: She's got to stick it out. What were you going to point out about
1: it? About that fact.
0: In execution, just like the way the uh, things that's. Uh, King does, you know, oh, just a yeah, this is the nexus kingism. of all
1: King isms, but without yeah. being a horror movie, that's supernatural, which is really fascinating. Right. Um, yeah, so that's, it's basically the escalation of that and the divergence between their two stories pushing each other away. And we see a lot of iterations of not being willing to admit from both sides, the reality of a situation or hold the past truthfully in your head or tell yourself the tough story. Like we see that Kathy Bates says, you didn't have a nervous breakdown. It was just a bad patch. You're not crazy. You're not crazy at all. And you're like, okay, so this family can't like come to terms with shit. Right. Right. And we see in more of Dolores's flashbacks and, I don't know if there's anyone who watches it vaguely. I think the film strongly implies that they're true. Like, you're not like wondering, is her mind lying? They
0: don't seem to play with that or they, until the very end, which... I guess if you were thinking
1: she murdered the Vera, you could think this is fake too. But I mean, I assumed it was true. But anyway, in her version of events... David Strathern was in AA, but constantly drinking secretly, like pouring Mm -hmm. whiskey in his Coke and shit. Um, When his daughter was in the room, he would be on his best behavior. But when he would get drunk, he wouldn't want his daughter to see him. And when she left the room, he'd call his wife, you know, verbally abusive, call her fat and ugly and say, I don't know why I married you. I hate you and all this horrible stuff. And then if she ever talked back, he would Beat her, hit her with various objects. He hits her with a log at one point and like the kidneys. And you know, classic abusive relationship. He goes, like Why do you make me do it? Uh, sometimes he's nice, but most of the time, unpredictably, he'll just snap and beat the sh- beat you. And you don't know. Yeah, like exactly. sometimes he'll laugh and then beat you or joke and then beat you. It's really scary. Um, but it's double scary because he won't do it in front of the daughter scrupulously. And it's like, oh man, that is a fucking head trip. You it know, it's a horror movie. Yeah. 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 Certainly, I just meant there's no killer clown, uh, other than John C. Riley. <laughs> but anyway, um, this escalates to the point that we find out that he was murdered on the eclipse. There's another eclipse coming up, or I think it happened when she tried to drive her car away. Right, that was the current day eclipse. But in the past, there was also this the same eclipse or similar event. And we start filling in the past with Vera more, which we hadn't before, because basically Mm -hmm. Kathy Bates says, no, sit down. Your car's busted. We're having a drink and we're talking this out, right? This has to end. So she tells her what she says is the whole truth. Um, Selena still doesn't buy it by the way, fully until this next, like the end beats. But basically her story is Vera was this horrible wench with OCD who ran this giant mansion. And she was like, Interview, you know auditioning for a housekeeper and she's insanely particular because I mean I got the impression she literally has OCD because she'd be Mm. like you know the welcome mat has to face northeast and it needs to
0: be six pins not five for the when you hang
1: sheets you have to hang the sheets more than 50 yards from the house or I can smell it so it's like she has to walk back and forth back and forth and you know everyone quits but her and she constantly not only bitches about her, but they joke about how they're going to murder each other. Right. So for yeah. like 20 years, she says stuff to everyone. Like, I hate you, bitch. I'm going to throw you out the window. One of these days, yeah, that's exactly. their relationship. And you get it. Like there are, they are two bitches. And it's a recurring line in the movie that she learned from Vera. Sometimes yeah. in a world that's like stacked against women, all a woman has to hold on to is being a bitch. Um, so you get the sense that the truth of it is, She didn't need to do that. She like admires this woman in some perverse way that I've seen relationships like right where people just get off on busting each other's balls constantly. That is the nature of their friendship, but they are actually friends in some way. Um, And she goes, so I didn't kill her. She wanted to die when she was really old and she pushed herself down the stairs. I tried to stop her. She bit my arm. You'd think she could show the bite to the cops, but whatever. She bit my arm and pushed herself down the stairs and wanted to die. And the reason I got the rolling pin was she was badly internally bleeding. And she begged me and begged me to just end it. Please crush my head with something and end it. And I was about to do that when the fucking mailman came in. Yep, and that was not mailman. ideal. Yeah, so it's this finally the makes Selena like kind of believe it. Uh, and want to stick up for her mom. And realize that she's throwing her chances away. Because she's waived counsel. She's old and tired which is funny because Kathy Bates is not that old in this, like 45 or something. Um, she's 14
0: years older than Je- uh, Jennifer Jason Lee. Yeah.
1: Wow. Which oh, just, bizarre. Like, I mean, yeah. Just because she has I like a know. square face or like, a, you know, they're like, man, she's old. But anyway. They did, yeah. they did a lot of makeup on. Yeah, yeah they give her gray hair, hair and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> but the point being, Selena, who she's always been proud of because she is so bright and tenacious, uses her skills and brights and tenaciousness to take her into town or like storm in in the middle of her hearing. There's not going to be a jury trial yet. It's just a hearing uh, with like a judge arbitrator to rip them a new one and tear apart Christopher Plummer's case and point out that it's all circumstantial. And why the fuck would she murder this woman? Oh, sorry. Something we forgot to reveal that is important is the biggest piece of evidence against her is they find out that Vera left her all her money. And she goes, that's just because she like felt sorry for me and I didn't know about it. And they're like, of course you knew about it. You murdered her for the money. And Selena in this sequence rightly points out why the fuck would she wait like eight years since the will was inked to publicly push her down the stairs at the time she knows the postman regularly comes by. This is bullshit. And they're like, ah, you got me or, you know, the judge basically sides with her and Christopher Plummer realizes that there's things more important than his fucking case. Right. Uh, And then I think that's when we get the major reveal. Right. This is when we get the full reveal is when Selena's driving home and hears the tape. Isn't that right?
0: Yeah, I mean, the, it's it is very blended, so we're not really sticking to the you know how it actually. Yeah, I don't operates. care if the
1: past present shuffling is accurate, right?
0: But yeah, ultimately, uh, it's all about this bottled up trauma that we find out that Dolores at one point tells Vera, "Look, this is what I think is happening," which is basically two parts. It starts with. All the money that she's been saving from Vera, Dolores goes to the bank and ch- figures out, oh, uh, J- uh, oh, David Straith Aaron is taking yeah, out yeah. all of the money uh, and you wouldn't be doing this. You wouldn't have and you didn't call me or anything. So he's doing this. So he's doing this bullshit. So he, she starts looking into his life and seeing like, where is he spending the money? And she starts realizing that, like, not only is he just like blowing it on boobs, booze, which that she's there's something to be going AA, right? on between uh, between Selena, uh, the daughter and uh, and David Straythair. Mm-hmm. And we realize that through a kind of moment where they kind of, in the flashback where she, she takes her on a ferry, which comes up a lot of times, the ferry is like where the truth comes out.
1: Right. Um, it's a liminal space. It's In a liminal space. Two things. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like an eclipse, man. <laughs> and it's like uh what you get is you you essentially re uh Dolores oh, realizes that around her neck... That's actually a good
1: connection that I didn't <laughs> yeah. get.
0: Uh when she she realizes that she has an amulet. Selena has an amulet around her neck that is the like the grandmother of uh, David Strathairn. So why is he giving this to her? She starts thinking something's going on. On top of that, when she's questioning her daughter, like, "What is wrong?" Like, Celine is in hysterics.
1: That's Selina a dead is, giveaway because she immediately goes, giveaway. "Yeah, no, like, Daddy never touched me. No, it's a secret. I mean, it's not a secret. It never happened. Like shit, like so that." So like, she oh, puts shit. this all together.
0: Yeah. It's unverified. She doesn't know how long it's going on, but she's absolutely sure. So
1: another liminal space, the space between knowing and not knowing that is like a trial uh, or a, yeah. Interesting.
0: And so one particular day where she basically breaks down at work, she tells Vera about Joe, the money and the sexual abuse. And, you know, in the current day, (laughs) Selena is still denying this all. Yeah. Um, And we still think that, and she still thinks that Dolores is a horrible mother and wife. So Selena just heads out of town But she finds this tape recorded by Loris, which basically says in the flashback, Vera asks, how far did the sexual abuse go? And uh, she points out that it's a masculine world we live in. And sometimes uh, you need to kill your husband (laughs) because we learn that Vera... Who had a husband early It just like days. a
1: shitty golf playing February. Also, had a, a mistress. Shit. Yeah. And oh, she and he made a, a car her,
0: right? accident It look like an accident. Specifically, Specifically to get us all know, his money. She probably just cut the cut the brakes.
1: And they're multimillionaires, so I love the idea that she's like uh Well, just kill him, dear. It worked for me. I have millions of dollars. I didn't (laughs) go to jail. (laughs) You should do that. And she like says, "Kill him." Basically, in code, you know, subtext. "Um, I'm gonna keep your daughter here for the eclipse party. Now is the time to go murder. Go murder your husband now. Right. And I'll be your alibi. Come back in a couple hours and have him be dead. And I'm giving you permission to do that. Yeah.
0: And still in this long kind of flashback sequence, we get Selena. With the fallout of, like, the you know, basically the confrontation on the ferry, she decides to run away from home. Basically, and Dolores pursues. And as she's running, she finds a small abandoned well, like a boarded up well that you know she didn't know just existed like in Cujo did. Yeah, and she hurts her leg and whatnot. But she, we now have an exposed well, and we do know from earlier the well comes into play with there. And so. Um, That day of the eclipse, Vera sends Dolores home, hoping that, you know, you go kill your husband, dear. And (laughs) Dolores gets him drunk with some fine booze. (laughs) Treat yourself, bitch. (laughs) Is overly kind to him, makes him dinner. And as the eclipse sets, she confronts him about the stolen money and to go fuck himself. And he attacks her. And the struggle goes on towards the end And then she goes,
1: he, you're touching our daughter, aren't you? And now yes. he's going to murder her to keep her from telling. Like she's right. So she's guaranteed he will chase her. That obviously is the goal. Right.
0: And she draws him to the old well. She lets him fall to his death. And as the eclipse is forming, she's like, I could save
1: him. No, I'm just going to let him fall. It's a little, and- little space, dude. It's, it's a little, But space. also that the- The well. I'm actually realizing with a rush of joy that there's more to this than I think there was symbolically. Like the tape recorder is also specifically the tape recorder that uh, Selena uses for her reporting job. So it yeah. is also a vessel for the truth. And it's like a movie about the tiny little corners where you're allowed to tell the horrible truth, yeah, right? man. Yeah.
0: Dolores Claiborne. Claiborne, <laughs> uh, So, Yeah. Excellent. We pop to the present day and we get that kind of, I think it's a, a really well done moment. Like the, she buys a coffee cup and it triggers her memory of the time that her father forced Made her to touch him. do
1: a hand job on the ferry. And yeah. we
0: get a clear indication this is not the first time. And uh, we get a haunting little shot. You said it wasn't a horror movie and it isn't. It's a drama. But we get a sh- haunting little shot of the present where once Selena's kind of realized, she goes to the bathroom to kind of collect herself. She looks in the mirror and her reflection is looking away from her. You, she sees her the back, back of
1: her head, which is really that freaks her out. It's even scarier than it sounds because it's in a movie where nothing like that has happened. And it's yeah. really creepy. Yeah.
0: And the sound effect, the, the score is going on. It's It's a pretty kind of manufactured well moment. Like, I was it, not expecting And it. it's
1: earned. I look in the mirror and I don't even recognize myself, right? Yeah. yeah. I think
0: it's justifiable and she's, like, having
1: a panic attack. And she's looking back a, at the past.
0: Yeah. So, she realizes she must return to the island and she arrives at Dolores' inquiry. I'm and we sorry, get that I back flopped them.
1: Between... The tape is why she comes back. You're right. It's the inspiration. And so we
0: get all that stuff where Plummer basically is like, you haven't been home. You don't know this shit. And Dolores basically testifies that she didn't know about the will. And the final nail in the coffin is she points out that Plummer's got that personal vendetta against Dolores. So, you know. Yeah. uh, In the end, with the looming threat of like, okay, so she's going to. Dolores is going to get all this like $1.6 million from Vera's. Who knows what will
1: happen out out of that. right?
0: And the threat of New York City lawyers, because, you know, Selena's connected. This small town is not equipped to really fight this battle. And and it's all circumstantial evidence anyway. So they just let the case drop, basically. And uh, our last scene is Dolores and Selena reconciling on the ferry uh before selena returns to new york and she even admits like i'm not going to arizona i am not. I didn't get that job they're now turning a leaf and telling each other the truth so to speak
1: she's like i'm going back to my life but i'll be in touch yeah. so there's this vindication uh blowing kisses you know now very different than when they arrived when they when she arrived on the ferry she didn't know that that was her daughter now they're blowing kisses goodbye that's the arc
0: (laughs) so yeah i think that we can jump right into our next one right i believe so our next yeah yeah because i want to get into the nitty-gritty as fast as we can but first first we need to discuss uh who worked on this movie just because Mm -hmm. let's let's put it in perspective about you know the crew that's working on this yeah uh and so we have to go to the next section called skeleton crew
1: Something in the mist. Shut the doors. Shut the doors. Them bones. Them bones. Them movie bones. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned it came mm-hmm.
0: out in 1995. I just wanted times. to mention that it was it came out the same month as
1: the Mangler. Ooh, another great film featuring uh, <laughs> Buffalo Bill from another great film. <laughs> All horror. Yeah, you got it. We got a horror circle going. Um, yeah. But of course we mentioned the stacked cast, uh, John C. Riley, not a big name at this time. So it's one of his like building his career roles. Uh, you, he's not like heavily centered, but David Strathairn, and Christopher Plummer, Eric Bogosian, who, you know, his face for sure is the mm-hmm. newspaper boss, Jennifer Jason Lee, of course, and Kathy Bates holding it down. Uh, Bob Gunton is another character actor where you'd see him and go, Oh yeah. His face. He's the bank manager guy. Uh, kind of yeah. looks like Ben Stein. Uh, he's in some Cohen Brothers movies, I think Serious mm-hmm,
0: Man. Mm-hmm.
1: He's also in Shawshank Redemption
0: as the warden. Oh, yeah,
1: the warden from Shawshank. Of course, that's the big one. Um, directed by Taylor Hackford who and then written by Tony Gilroy. Abe, can you do your spiel you gave me? Because I was ignorant of, oh, it's that Gilroy. And then the whole brother thing.
0: Yeah, sure. Let's start with Hackford first, though. Because, of course. Hey, I, I actually, uh, spoilers, I really like really like this movie. I think it's in- meticulously crafted. And it makes sense because the guy who created it or the guy who directed it, uh, is known for an officer and a gentleman Mm -hmm. and Ray, which got a bunch of awards and whatnot, but both kind of, um, very good, very good, like dramas that like kind of inspect the internal conflict of someone. Um, so he's, you know, he's pretty, he's, he's not bad. He's not, he's not a bad director, but yeah, let's talk about the Gilroy, uh, Tony <laughs> yeah. Gilroy, not to be confused with his brother, Dan Gilroy, who wrote, uh,
1: Nightcrawler, you know, baby, Nightcrawler,
0: big fan among we, other we,
1: things, but God, what a screenplay for Nightcrawler, We love yeah.
0: Nightcrawler in this house. <laughs> um, and they both work together on Andor, which is a current star Wars, uh, series if you're in the know with the Star Wars kids. Tony I Gilroy like also wrote
1: the, Rogue One, which is one of the Star Warses that is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those Michael are few Clayton, now. Michael Clayton. All of the Born ultimatums. That means he uh, co-wrote with Tom Stoppard at some point, y'all. Damn That's crazy dude. to me. Um,
0: but yeah, the first two movies that he came out with, uh, that he wrote, were The Cutting Edge in 92. <laughs> You've seen The Cutting yeah. Edge mm-hmm. from our frame rate. That's right. And Dolores Claiborne. And I have to say wow. that I think the, the writing in this edge. movie is spectacular. I think it's really, really good. And I think it's above and beyond what we typically see in an adaptation of, um, of Stephen King. Brought to you by the guy who wrote the adaptation
1: of Armageddon, by the way. <laughs> the novelization, you mean? No, he wrote the adaptation. Oh, is Armageddon a a book what was armageddon before it was I think, a who was knows a comic? who knows with it what like, was armageddon i didn't know it was anything it, it was probably a novel like an action novel i'd buy it it was like a crichton esque novel before it was probably it was, based okay. off armageddon's Some the bullshit album, yeah, for yeah, all yeah, yeah know. The Van it's fucking album. michael Bay, dude. but it had it like was a bunch of writers of a it. music video anyway we <laughs> yeah. also um i feel like we're kind of leaving skeleton crew because you're talking about I want to mention one more thing, but I wanted to mention Danny Elfman. Danny. Okay, good. My favorite um, film composer, mainly because I'm a huge fan of the mystic Knights of Oingo Boingo, which is their full name. It was the first con, the first concert I ever attended was their final farewell concert, as I've mentioned before on this network. And I still think Oingo Boingo are incredible regular rotation for me. Um, And this is a very Danny Elfman proving that he can, be more subdued than Simpsons and it's Batman. Days, yeah. It's him trying to be a quote unquote real score composer. um It's very symphonic and drab and sad, and the movie's very blue. Honestly, I think Abel back me up on this. If you haven't seen it at all and you want to know vibe, it's very much like Insomnia vibe. <laughs> if you've seen, yeah, that. I would say
0: that. Yeah, it's like a Christopher Nolan joint. Almost. Yeah, for yeah. real. Yeah, but yeah. Very good cast and crew.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: and the proof is in the pudding, baby. Let's talk about the movie uh, in our next segment that we call It. Bill, if you'll come with me, you'll float
1: too. You'll float too. You'll float too. You'll float too. Speaking of killer clowns. Uh, yeah, It. I actually I have a lot and I'm realizing I have more as we talk, but like I wanted to. Let's go. Yeah, I'll just throw in the first thing in my notes, which is that we already mentioned and kind of glossed over that she finds out her mother committed a crime and goes home. And I actually was so impressed by how that turn is specifically handled, which is that she is fighting in the newsroom for a major story. Right. She wants a juicy story. Mm -hmm. I got to love this role because it's basically Jennifer Jason Leigh doing modern day Jennifer Jason Leigh from Hutsucker Proxy. And you know yeah. how we feel about that movie, but she's doing banter. She's doing jabs. She's got business. She needs to get shit done. I bet my Pulitzer are Right. On. And she wants to crack off a big story. Right. And so that is the drama that is the initial offer of the film. And I don't know about it, but I felt very handily shepherded into thinking when a fax comes in. That says there's a crazy murder. You're like, oh, this will be the juicy case. And then she gets it and the cover letter says, isn't this your mother? And you're like, whoa, like that is such a good turn that it's not about her big case. It's obviously going to be about her mother's trial. Like it's if you didn't know what it was about ahead of time, it's a very good deployment of the premise.
0: Right. And what are faxes, if not the liminal space of the 90s?
1: By the way, one area where it's not, I don't think, 100% perfect the is accents. the accents. Everyone in this, John C. Riley's, comes and goes like crazy. Everyone in this is taking a big swing at that NARA accent. Yeah, it's, uh, it's straight there and in particular,
0: awesome. it, like, is pretty heavy into it. Yeah, goddamn and, right,
1: Dalar. But it works
0: because <laughs> he's playing like that, like, like the lowest of the low piece of shit and drunk 24
1: hours a day right
0: yeah like so he can really dip into it and be drunk and be an artifact like an artifact of history that we all remember Mm -hmm. uh you know that that motherfucker um but yeah there's there's some back and forth john c riley i think is one of the ones where it's just like it's there but it's also not there but i don't actually i don't know i never i never lived on an island outside of maine so.
1: Well, Strathern was the other one that I'm like. That can't be how people sound, can they? That's. Yeah. I agree. It was those two, basically, John and and Strathern. Um, mm. Also, speaking of an artifact of time, bitch, chain smokes with the windows rolled up. Don't do that, yeah. girl. That ain't, that ain't right. That ain't living. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, but I guess if you're in the Maine 90s, in winter, baby. you kind of have to if you smoke. That's I guess that's that. True.
0: I guess if you smoke it, you're just like, I don't want to, or you
1: will, under. this is what we got to talk about is all the Kinguisms. or you will, as Kathy Bates says, get all boogery. And then another Jesus. one is gory. They say gory a lot, Gory's which I don't know what that lot. means. Yeah. Good gory. Good gory. Cheese and crackers. Cheese and crow. It's Christmas. At least cheese <laughs> and crow. I've ever heard gory. I have never, ever heard cheese mm-hmm. uh, and crow. I do wonder though, what the fuck that is. That, I guess it's just the Jesus Christ corruption, right? Cheese and crow. Yeah. 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 We figured it out here. (laughs) Yeah. We solved it. So there's tons of those. That's a rep. There's tons of, I would say that the bullies, the adult bullies in this and even the dad, they play very simply in the manner of a Stephen King bully grown up. Like they're just grown up. Stephen King's fifties greaser bullies (laughs) kind of evil, just fucking shithead write-offs. Like fuck these. They're just mean for no reason. Uh, yeah. And then the other thing, cause we just covered Gerald's game. I gotta say, I don't actually understand so much. or even know if it's good or bad that Stephen King can get away with writing a book that's critically acclaimed and sells a billion copies and gets a movie made of it. And then writing another one that all the same stuff is true of. And in both of them a girl gives her father a handjob on the eclipse. Like that's so specific. That it's is literally specific. just redoing your own plot beat, like just putting it back in a different thing. So that's to wild me, to me.
0: It's one of two things. One, Stephen King is a genius and he knew that no one would give a shit. Cause clearly no, he's one. he's clearly does.
1: like, no one cares. It's fine.
0: Or two, he was just drunk. <laughs> he was
1: just drunk, and he did not. He remember. forgot one or the other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would say it's one of the two. He's written I can't 70 say indeed it. stories. It's hard to. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He's just um, like ah, that sounds like a good device. I should use that. Yeah, you did, buddy. Nah. <laughs>
1: yeah, but I would believe. I mean, he does a lot about parents abusing their children. I don't. I think that that's more just. I mean, everyone's privacy is their privacy, right? So I don't know if that comes from a place of life, but I think publicly the thought is just, that's a really horrible, scary thing. So he uses a lot of child abuse uh, throughout and children are easy to root for, right? But I just think the details are crazy specific to the degree that I would imagine if he was drunk, it was Gerald's game. Not that Gerald's game's bad, but I can see you thinking of the simple plot elements in that drunk, this is on point, and I think the symbolism being on point owes more to the book than the movie, because it's literally like the facts of yeah. the case, so to speak, are really well thought through. Like we were saying, in Gerald's game, the eclipse is more used as just, it's ominous that it's dark now, daddy's going to touch you in the dark. This eclipse is a liminal space, and it's used to mean that. That's a level of thought that's beyond the Gerald's game level of thought. <laughs>
0: It's definitely, in terms of story construction, um, more, it's more ambitious? More it's sophisticated? More, it's more woven into the plot beats and not just presented as, here's some exposition of truth. It's like a reveal, you know? So yeah. there's options in the writing. While we're talking about Gerald's game, though, mm-hmm. I wanted to point out a quote, kind of, um, not exactly what you're talking about, but just get Gerald's game thing that we mentioned last episode when we covered it a uh, quote from Claiborne: hell ain't something you get thrown into overnight no the real hell comes on you as, as slow and steady as a line of wet winter sheets that's I, the
1: resonant line and the way it's enshrined you know that that's the that's the moral of the story and it it's and it hits of, it's very resonant
0: yeah. and like gerald's game and how we kind of talked about how you know um What's, God, what's her name? Jesse? I think it's Jesse. God, I can't remember. <laughs> but uh, uh, basically, there's a tinge of self-disrespect, and the concept here is that horror kind of comes from an external place, absolutely, like, you know, the monster or, you know, the man who's a drunk and about to beat you. But like Jesse, likes pet cemetery, like desperation it's our own acts that will come back to damn us. Like we are complicit in a way by allowing these things to happen. And even though they horror, are not our fault,
1: the true horror of living is that you could get used to it and yeah, and it exactly. could last for 40 years. That's what you right. And it, and then that is true and real and more chilling. It's true. Like being shot in the head is obviously less agree or in some ways less egregious than being abused for 40 years. Like what a, what a liminal space to be trapped in. I know I should leave my partner, but I can't, but I know I should, but I can't. Right. It's an eclipse of sorts.
0: When you start thinking about like the Stephen King isms of like, okay, like how does this work on an atomic level? You realize that almost all of his devices are like being stuck or car failure. Dude, and shit, like the Eclipse is also,
1: you're covering up the truth. You're covering up your memory. That's so good. Right.
0: Yeah, it's it's just, it really is one of the, it's one of the tales, and this movie does a really good job of really exposing what makes King, like, really tick. When he Not is just from, really like, the hitting, small yeah. town, outsider, pariah, sexual abuse, substance abuse, those, the, the list of those themes, things. themes, right yeah this is really like where does his horror come from? Um, and in this movie, much like Gerald's game again, it's a focus on domestic life. Uh, we see Dolores like put out clothes. She's a housekeeper. She tidies up everything. So we take this this standpoint of normalcy for a certain type of person in the Americana like fable, and then shows that their hell house is a mess, right. And it's like, well, why is that true? Well, it's because they're stuck. It's because they don't they kind of hate themselves and the horror comes from the fact that they f- they are abused but they're also not letting themselves get free Off the which hook is another for their thing, part of it right which is why it's so much better of a story than Gerald's game in my opinion because you get the freedom of your legacy you get your daughter basically saying to you like I forgive you and I'm sorry for not for like for not understanding and not taking the time to understand Whereas Jesse and Gerald's game is just like I'm gonna take back my my own, power, yeah, my power, but like really, that's good. I'm gonna bottle <laughs> it up and keep my right, trauma, right, right, or just go on with mine. my life. I also, yeah.
1: did you see Nightmare Alley, the Del Toro? Yeah, I. I had strong resonance between those two while I was watching this in terms of the actual message that it comes down to and how it mines. I mean, that one, the obvious metaphor is a nightmare alley was a name for like a sideshow or a freak show. Um, but the character that what Bradley Cooper plays is trapped in an alley that leads directly to a nightmarish life. And the alley is made of his own actions that he freely chose to take in sequence and he fucked himself. And even though that movie's not perfect, I love the ending when he says, "I was born for it." When they ask, you know, "Are you good for the part?" and he's basically donning the mantle of, "I made this bed and I know I did, and now here it comes, hell, yeah. and it's going to yeah. be long. It's going to be a long time in hell." Right. <laughs> and I
0: think that there's a particular like blend that makes a Stephen King mo- like tale for me, or yeah. at least from what the movies are coming out with, is that it's very specifically. Not that it's entirely your fault. It's not about blame or judgment. It's about what you allow yourself to do. That is the hor-
1: true horror show. And, and that's I the, think... The, that's, that's the American horror show. And that's a, you what can I love delude yourself it. into thinking things you don't think. Meaning like, it's... the uh, Dolores would do anything for her daughter. It's the only thing she cares about. Except... Admit that she had a nervous breakdown, which would be helpful for her, right? They eventually get there, but that's the obstacle they have to overcome is this it's, feeling yeah. of awkwardness when they should be combining forces and healing each other and loving each other. Right. And as someone who's like, this is a main issue of mine. If you've heard Tales from the Pit, like I found the movie to also be, and I think the book, talking directly about how stigmatizing mental health makes you have to deal with it alone. And no one can do that. Like, the horror is you're alone. It's a, uh, uh, I hated this new movie, but the one ever, no one will save you, right? Um, yeah. If you don't tell people what you're going through, then you can't get support. And if you feel a, that's one of the most tragic things of abuse and mental health challenges is you feel ashamed or deficient. You don't want people to know that you've been broken in some way. And you feel like if you let them know things will only get worse when the opposite is true. The only way things will ever get better is if you pull in supports from your, you know, in your life. Um, and I love, like, I love send you a sacrifice. I love anything. That's just about like how you can't get free until you guys sit down and drink whiskey. I'm an AA. So I wouldn't say that part, but like they had to have that conversation and they center the conversation of like, we have to have like so many plays used to like Pinter plays. It's like, well, this is it. We have to have the conversation that the family has been trying to avoid having for 20 years, or we cannot move past this. So Mm. let's fucking dig in and like do it.
0: And in typical King fashion, who has often talked about his, He's gone back and forth in his career or just in his age about faith, but now he's, he's openly faithful. He, does, he chooses not to write about it to say secular and kind of keep his stories fairly For universal, all of America. but you do yeah. see them. Um, it very much is a part of like the American you know, setup. It's the mythos of America to be like, well, if it's a Christian nation, so to speak, forgiveness is freedom. Um, So that's almost always where if there's a happy ending in a Stephen King story, it's because someone forgave someone or themselves. That's just 100 percent, I think.
1: Yeah. And yet it's not content with just presenting that as a really pat like preachy moral fable. For example, at the end, Selena has a moment where she hesitates and could admit. And start the whole chain of whatever legal proceedings there would be that she now understands that her father was murdered, but it was self-defense. Should we get into that publicly? And she lies. She helps her mother heal and protects her. By lying. Whereas up to this point, every lie has been bad and every truth has been good. Some at the end, at a crucial moment, one lie is good. Uh, And I love movies that are like, it's not one size fits all, though. You got to keep your head on a swivel. That's what life is like. Mm. You have to make a series of fraught choices, right? A lie is generally bad and a truth is generally good, but not always. You got to use your best judgment with this shit. Right. And in the execution of the movie, they do this very
0: intentionally. Um, the same thing have like we were talking about color earlier and they use two different film stocks. They use like Kodak and Fuji because of the color representation on the film. That's an old arcade. <laughs> right. Thing the flashbacks no are way more
1: saturated than the present. The
0: lie is bright and colorful. The present and the truth is drab and blue. But it's um, real.
1: Right. Is it it has But the it's real of being and it's true. the
0: confrontation they need to make. The past is The past is a series of details that got us here, got us to the job in blue and only the truth will set us free. And
1: from the craftsmanship point of view, got to point out, um, especially in 95, what were some very ambitious technical ideas? For example, a shot that sweeps around the back of Dolores's head while she's, drifting off into a flashback and it wipes from uh, from drab to colorful as her head passes by camera yeah, that was nice. harder to do at that time than that's so easy to do now but um mm. and very consistent stuff like that there's diopter shots where the foreground is drab and the background is like it's it's as if you had a creature effect And you didn't just content yourself with the same shot of the creature over and over. They skinned the flashback game a lot of different ways. You can tell that Taylor Hackford is ambitious and interested in doing interesting things.
0: Yeah, he he wants to have a visual strategy and kind of deploy it in a way that matters for the story. Um, at the right
1: point, and we just and I like think that. He does like it. <laughs> we like that's that. That's the gravy. That's when a movie goes into like gravy territory for me. Like, oh, yeah. you didn't even have to try that hard. I wish all movies did, though. But good on you.
0: We get big hard ons for craft. Mm. Uh, we're doing this for Papa Bear right now, mm-hmm, our movie mm-hmm, that we're making, mm-hmm. and our conversations <sighs> are a lot of fun. Well, dude, we do. We got go. Like, yeah, that's a great shot. We oh, really need to so, take so out hard. the
1: scene where. Someone gives Papa (laughs) Bear a handjob during an eclipse, though, just because I think it's well trod at this point. Yeah,
0: Michael. (laughs) Yeah, at least this one has both adults. (laughs) (laughs) This this one has a ton of split diopter and color choices. You know me; I love split Uh, diopter. But I love how they, yeah, they use the split diopter as like past and present, and that's like pretty fucking
1: cool yeah like you were Um, saying when i i was busting your balls about how you famously don't like split diopter and you said but mm -hmm. but every tool can be used as a tool i really like that uh, doctor movies like (laughs) right a split diopter is something it's two planes that are in focus simultaneously therefore you could make it mean something and so they do right like so they do they don't pull the tool out for no reason it means that oh you, the audience, have to hold both these plot lines in mind and both need to be in focus simultaneously. Please, please feel invited to put that effort right, in. Yeah. yeah.
0: No, I like if people have listened on Monday Night Movie Nights or anything like that, and I've made that split diopter comment because I think it's funny. I think it's funny to not like it. I think it's an awkward tool, but never be angry at tools for being tools. Like, <laughs> you, are you angry at a screwdriver for like, if it does the thing, you, you fucking it's winning the game. Even so, guns. It really even is the guns. fault of humans. <laughs> it really is, yeah. Functional, it's always hu- human error. That's right. Pilot uh, error. But yeah, so there's a lot of good there's a lot of good stuff like that. Um what else we want to talk well, about Well, I here? wanted
1: to say that uh since you brought up Our Father Son movie and this is a mother daughter movie. Love talking We about about of our, course yeah. have resonant lines at the end when they make up. And I thought the resonant lines at the end when they make up here, pretty solid because I like really simple, straightforward, unadorned lines that still mean a lot on a primal level. Um, Mm. The lines are, I don't know how to feel about what you did, but now I know you did it for me. Um, Both of those things are true. Nothing extra is true. It's not wordy. (laughs) It's like Hemingway-esque. She is just saying, I was this way and now I'm this way. And that is the heart of the story. And boom, and we're done here, right? And then the mom right. says, well, her version of that, which is uh, the daughter says, I don't want to lose you again. And she goes, I go, you can't lose me. And that's everything about her that that is important for that, us to know about her.
0: Right. That's that's the uh, that's my now that I know one.
1: you're good. I'm good. And that's parenthood to me. Right. And that's beautiful. I mean, this
0: movie is full of turns of phrase, phrases like, like people yeah. are very witty. Um, One of my favorite ones that I wrote down was early days when jennifer jason lee is basically like i don't want to be here and like i just arrived and uh dollars is trying to connect with her and saying like are you with someone like uh," and she's like no i'm not with it like she's like i'm not gonna basically tell it and she's like you're telling me there's nobody and jennifer jason lee's response is i'm telling you there's a whole lot of nobodies Mm -hmm. and it's just like that is clever that is also very indicative of exactly what like how participant Jennifer Jason Lee wants to be with her mother and also what her life is like. It's three things. And she repeatedly
1: time. seems to be rubbing. Yeah. She's a career woman with no time for anything else. She wants her mom to feel bad because she thinks her mom's a bitch. She, <laughs> like that's and part isolated, of it. Yeah. She wants to isolate her mom and to make it like, you're not a part of my life. Make, don't get that in your yeah, head. Please don't get it twisted. I'm not here to make up, which of course is the way that you have to start your arc. If the end is, well, Wouldn't you know it? We made up, <laughs> <laughs> Duh. it's perfect, yeah. it's how good. the math works it's out. Um, it's and good. dude, and the offers, which I'm sh- which I know must be the same in the book because they're so specific. Oh, talk about family and domesticity the, that the girl, little girl, tried to kill herself by slitting her throat with a crushed yep, that's Christmas enough. ornament. Crushed, it's Christmas. and we get a shot of the ornament right before. That her reflection is warped in. So it's like she's looking at herself. She can't see herself in the right way. She feels warped and broken. I'm going to crush our family and kill myself with it. It all works. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it, all, it works, man. It all and works man. And I love that well. there's that line also that it's as cold as
1: Christmas. I'm getting all muzzy here trying to think of what to say to you. Oh, also of course the one I wrote down. The guy on the phone. Did you help kill your mom, bitch? Did you help your fat bitch mom kill your dad? Ha 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 ha! I thought that was very witty. That was that that's just. Me. I love I,
0: I love Stephen King. Dude, these people. So
1: it's like, don't you have other shit to do? They just hate Dolores Claiborne. It's like their full hobby
0: scene where they, clearly it's a group of men that got drunk in town, (laughs) drove out to the outskirts of town to visit Dolores' house and just yell at her from afar. Let's take our
1: truck out there and yell at that lady. You (laughs)
0: killed your husband. She killed Joe. Okay. Yeah. No, I didn't.
1: And I know who you are. She, best part is she knows, she
0: knows, she knows them all by cause name. She because it's an
1: island. She's like, I know which four drunk guys you are.
0: <laughs> You're not
1: sneaky. Yeah. I know. I can see your car. And they're like, well, we,
0: we won't be back. You know, it's like, yeah. I just love the small townness of it all. That's also very right. king, right? It's always kids on bikes, no fax machine, yeah. blue collar backdrop.
1: Yeah, the only time uh, I really rubbed me wrong, which is a minor offense, was when, like, these things we're discussing were almost too on the nose for me or too obvious, which happens once or twice. Like, at the oh, end, yeah. there's a shot, they talk a lot about hands and then... The daughter takes the mother's hand, you know, and you're like, okay, it's fine to do that, but obviously we've seen it a lot. Or the fact that Joe, that we crossfade from the hole in the well to the eclipse. I'm like, okay, circle, circle didn't didn't yeah. need that but okay it's it's forgivable how, it's forgivable the well, it the doesn't eclipse? mean anything yeah that's why like, i don't like it it's not as meaningful as any of the other maneuvers
0: i mean i'm sure i could find a reason i'm sure i could well art school eclipse, explain but,
1: it in a way but it's yeah. not
0: immediately jumping out at and me, therefore so.
1: i feel it doesn't work well right
0: yeah it's it's not of. The, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't feel like it's of the dna i think it's more the thing that we settled on which is this kind of this moment of truth or this moment of seeing things from a new perspective, a mental liminal space, a breakthrough of some kind. Um, And just the fact that,
1: uh, the sequence of things that had to go wrong for that mailman to come in and see her in that exact position really reminded me of the French waiter in the Simpsons who gets the chowder order wrong and like (laughs) beats himself up with a bunch of hanging pans. (laughs) Cause like, yeah, it's just so perfect. Um, Oh, dude! Okay, I think I'm done, but the other uh, uh, technique I was like, I have to mention this before we get out, is uh, that this movie scrupulously doesn't break the 180, because it's trying to be fairly transparent, and that's how you do that. It's disconcerting to break the 180, but standard coverage. the very oats. moment... That Dolores Claiborne raises an axe, considering killing her husband for the first time, we cut to a shot behind her that breaks the 180 that is intentionally really jarring. It's the perfect use of it. Nice. I didn't even notice that. In that same setup, when she tells her daughter, go to bed now, we're just talking, the daughter turns off a light that makes Dolores have a perfectly square black backdrop behind her and the axe. It's just such a cool Mm -hmm. set of shots.
0: Yeah, there's some visual like stuff going mm, on. Even though it is a very sneaky like or it's just typical drama when you watch most of the shots you're like, yeah, this is I've most seen this, this a thousand is, times before.
1: Right. At its which worst it will have moments where you're like this could almost be a harm, Hallmark special movie and I don't like that about it. Um but ultimately I really think it stands.
0: It really does. It stand. looks
1: like a 95 movie because of the f- grain of the film, which isn't a thing, but I still like it. I like it. Hey, Michael,
0: mm-hmm. it stands.
1: <gasps> In the Let's place where you segment. live.
0: Yeah. The stand. The stand. Time to make you
1: This is where we annoy ourselves by reading a long list. Or uh, we don't. Or we don't. Oh, guess I what? Can just Last go.
0: episode, we said we were going to talk about it before. We're like, every episode, we'll talk about it before about how we cover it, how we cover this section because it's now 27 entries long and I don't want to list 27 things. Right. We didn't do that. nah. Uh, because nah, we, nah, <laughs> we, nah, we forgot nah. and this is our job. Right. Uh oh. Um, do you want to do like. I top think we pet? should go
1: from the top until we hit Dolores Claiborne and then stop. <laughs> how about that? Okay. Yeah. All right. Because the real exciting thing would be if it was number one, Dolores Claiborne, right? Number one, Michael Jackson's ghost. That's right. I stole his (laughs) bitch. Michael Jackson's
0: ghost. He (laughs) stole my bitch. No, it's The Shining. It's
1: still The Shining. It's still The Shining. So far, so good. Number two, Dr. Sleep for me. Uh, Stand by me, dude. Stand by me. I, it's the sequel to The Shining. I went onesie-twosie with The Shining. It's still I good like movie. the lore of The Shining. I won't lie. Um, number three for me is Stand By Me. Solid movie. Uh, number
0: three for me is the other Kathy, Kathy Bates vehicle. The first,
1: Misery. You almost said, which is my number four, the Kathy Lee Gifford vehicle. No, oh, <laughs> uh, Misery. Mine's also Misery. Uh, <laughs> number, it? man, sorry, I'm just imagining Kathy Lee and Regis <laughs> in misery. <laughs> you broke my ankles. This is outrageous.
0: <laughs> uh, what are we on? I can remember four. Number five. Four? Well, I didn't say Dr. Sleep, which oh, is my. Okay,
1: four. four, four, four. Sorry, I was going first. Number five is the mist for me, the Tarabon mist. mist.
0: We agree. And we've kind of done all of the things. We
1: Yeah. We've, we've,
0: we've top five. And I got
1: to tell you, Straight Get. to the top of the rest, for me, comes Dolores Claiborne at
0: number and six. The, for Abe, number six is Dolores
1: Claiborne. Oh, another Da-da. matchy. Oh, we love it when our peens touch and are the our same. Our peens touch. And this one was <laughs> tough because right under that one for both of us is Carrie, yes? No, Gerald's Game for me, then Carrie.
0: Then Carrie, okay. But both of those, I, I think this movies. outplays Ger- Gerald's Game and because of the... Like it's doing a different thing, but because it's doing like the same kind of story, just in a yeah. like better, I think it kind of just it just falls uh falls to the the top. But Carrie, that was tough because Carrie is a con. That's the know? one
1: where I shoot it on Carrie on my wayward son. I'm such a fucking idiot. Um, You're such a fucking idiot. I also think. I just want to say for those out there, if they think it is a travesty, if adjusted for inflation, so to speak, I think Carrie Uh, would beat Gerald's game. Uh, I just thought Carrie, the first half, feels really boring now because it's like a late 70s movie. (laughs) You're like, all right, get to the murders. And like with Running Man and other entries on the list,
0: I clearly put higher stock into just like. Oh, but it's got the cool thing, like the blood on the face, and we all remember it. You can like go for a single
1: set piece, like raises it a, a notch. Yeah, yeah, raises
0: it a notch for me. So I, that's why it was tough for me. But Dolores Claiborne, a movie Good. that better than I expected. We for both sure. had not seen before this episode.
1: Making it to um, the top
0: ten. Making it to the top. It, I we we are sleeping. We're sleeping on Dolores, on Dolores,
1: and it pushes uh, pushes creep. No, pushes Cujo out of my top ten. Sorry, Cujo.
0: It pushes fourteen oh eight out of my top ten.
1: That sucks because fourteen oh eight go hard, as I say yeah, every I time. Know, I know, I know. I just want to see John Cusack have a bad time, man. It's all I want. We know what next episode is. Do you want to <gasps> drop oh, that? God. Okay. Sure. Well, I think we should explain the whole enchilada. So um, this has been the penultimate episode of Kings of Kings season two. That means we're doing 14 episodes a season. If you're counting, Uh, we're up to by the time we complete this season, next episode, we'll have 28. And that about matches how many episodes of Anders Sons we have per season. So it's that time again. And I know some of you are really happy about that. Some of you are really sad about that. That is how life goes. Um, so yeah. now we'll be doing Anders Sons for about 14 episodes. It will probably be the final uh full season. Yeah, of I don't Anderson's. even think we have
0: 14, right. but I think we have like 11 or something. Because but those we'll filmmakers can
1: only make so many films and they're both winding up either in the winding mm-hmm. up phase of their careers. Um, So I do think like with Coen brothers, brothers, like if another PT Anderson comes out down the line, we'll do a special episode we'll and it. hit it up. Just
0: like we did. It was tragedy and Mick back. Exactly. Even that wasn't a joint Coen brothers. Yes. You just know that we, we need, we but, need it, precious. Uh
1: we are, And we'll get back to Kings of King. King, there's still plenty of us. There will be more. Uh, Mm. But next episode, the final episode of season two is one I think you've all been waiting for. It's about a prison. Okay, bye. (laughs) And that's it. (laughs) Green Mile. Green Mile is the episode. (laughs) We're doing it again. (laughs)